else can I give a shout out to? I told you, choose your own adventure today. I love each of you so much. I really do. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have you turn with me real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Love you too, Sandy Culbertson, with that 85% healed leg. They told you it was going to take 12 weeks to heal, and we're only in the third week. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Start at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. How many know who's writing this letter here? Paul is. Mr. Paul had it all together, Paul. Had all the pedigrees, Paul. Wrote half the New Testament, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul, Paul, Paul. And yet he was under such great hardship. And the word is, that in, in, the, in the New Living, it says he was being crushed and overwhelmed beyond his ability to endure. That he despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of what? Death. Death. Hopelessness. Nothing is going to change. There is no way out of this. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I cannot get out. Anybody been there before? Anybody may be floating in there right now in a situation in life you just feel like there's no way. There's just no way. No way. Hopeless. Stuck. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will, He will deliver us. White Hill Church, do you hear that? He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will what? Continue to deliver us. You know, I, I, I really believe we find ourselves in situations, and situations in and of themselves are bad enough, but then all the lies that are attached to the situation that we begin to listen to, because we've been talking about no more lies, all the lies we listen to. How many here know you probably shouldn't believe everything you read on the Internet? How many know you probably shouldn't believe every review, every blog? How many know you probably shouldn't just buy into all of that? How many know that you shouldn't, I mean, my goodness, the presidential debate the other night, 
choose your own adventure. Just pick whatever news station you want to listen to, and they'll give you a whole different take on it, right? So not only do we have situations, whether they're physical situations or circumstantial situations, but then you have all the lies that are attached to those situations. And I was talking with Megan wherever she went. I don't know where Megan went. There she is back there. I said, you know, it was funny. She said, what's your sermon topic for Sunday? And I made it look really good like I'd been pondering on it, and I actually came up with it right when I was standing there talking to her. Sorry, Megan. Yeah, she figured I was anyways, as I'm like, well, let me see how I can articulate what's been on my heart for the last two seconds. You know, we've been talking about laying down the lies and begin believing the what? Truth of the word. We have nailed that. We have said we know what God's word says about Kim Northrop, about Helen Cash about Dwayne Burtner. We know what the Word of God says, but far too often we listen to the lies of the enemy of our soul that desires to crush us, destroy us. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. So yes, we walk through situations, but then we begin to believe the lies about that situation. And they aren't necessarily lies that lies that are even spoken uh, uh, by others, though at times they can be. Oftentimes they're lies that the enemy is speaking directly into our minds. And before you know it, whatever the situation you're in, you have allowed the enemy to push you into an inescapable hole. Where hope does not exist. And you're in that hole, and you and you wonder how the heck you got there. And you start blaming everything else, including yourself. And you start looking at everything that went on around you, and if this hadn't happened, and if that hadn't happened, and if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't be in the shape I am. And all the while, the enemy is just pumping lie after lie after lie into your mind. And when we get in those situations... What we would define as hope, and don't miss this real quick, what we would define as hope at that point would be something that we ourselves can get our hands on to control. Does everybody follow me? Don't lose that. What we would define hope as at that point is we're sitting in the bottom of that pit wondering how to get out. It's hopeless. If If I was just able to do this, or if I was just able to do that, or if this person would just do this, or this person would just do that, I, I, and, and, and you, if you could just get a hold of something to control it, then you are certain you could do something to do what? Make it go away. But our brother Paul here was in a circumstance where he felt absolutely hopeless. The Apostle Paul, and I'm trying to reiterate that, the guy God used to read two-thirds of the uh, the New Testament. You guys do understand that when I say that, right? Hopeless. But he goes on to say why. That we, in verse 9, that we might not rely on who? Ourselves. 
And what is included in that word ourselves? Our strengths, our gifts, our ability to control the situation, those things that we have relied on for our own personal comfort, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be any number of things, whether it be your family. God brought Paul to that point and allowed Paul to that point, go to that point where there was no relying on anything. There's nothing. Nothing's going to make this go away except the one who raised the dead. The one who raised the dead. And what do we find out here? Verse 10, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope. Walking through some things within myself, one of the things that has become so very apparent to me is this. I trust God as far as I feel comfortable with this life. But if it begins to touch on anything else that could possibly create discomfort, I go to my backup God. I go, I go back to my stuff. All the things I've used in the past. And you know what comes with them? It may change the situation in my mind, but I'm angrier than I was before. I'm more upset and more filled with fear than I was before. Who's with me right now? And I keep, I keep saying God, and I'll include God in on my stuff. You know what I mean? We've all done that. God, I cry out to you. And I start praying in the direction I think I should pray. Oh God, if you would, if we could just, I, I just deal with this situation in Jesus' name, and I just want to press on. Well, all the while, it could be that God is saying, "Rest." But God, I've got to get out of this hole. I'm going to die if I get if I don't get out of here. It obsesses me. It, it keeps me awake at night. What am I going to do? And I hear still small voices. Trust me. Trust me. I know you felt hopeless. I know you felt like you were in a pit. But all the while, I was down there with you. And I just am crying. I'm trying to get a hold of you, my son. And say, that I'm your dad. And I know that, I know that this stuff, this was not my intention for you. 
But I will tell you this, you're going to be in here a whole lot longer if you keep running to your backup God. So I look over at God and say, okay, God, you're my dad. And he looks over at me and says, okay, Dave, I want you to listen to me. Stop praying lies. Stop praying the problem and start declaring the answer. And that answer's name is Jesus. Let that dig in for a second. There is nothing in this life that will satisfy for the long term other than Jesus. There is nothing in this life that will satisfy. I know people, some people, people who fall into the pit of depression, they just turn to sleep. Or they turn to other things just to shut the world off. But see, here's the thing. We can declare what's lies and what's truth, but until we stop running to our backup God, we're always going to still run to the lies and believe those. And let me tell you what lies do. Lies create fear. And then because of fear, we believe lies. It's this crazy, vicious cycle. And the book of James says anything done outside of faith is sin, so then we're wrapped up in the sin of it all, too. And then what we've done in order, and I, I want, I want, because I'm going to raise my hand on this, too, I, in order oftentimes to avoid all the, the hopeless feelings and, the, and, and to avoid not wanting to be uncomfortable, we, we take hold, and then what happens is we actually, even though in the short term we feel like we got a grip on it, in the long term we made it worse. Anybody amen that? I'm going to do something controversial here. You took a turn with me to the book of Job. The Lord, uh, through our negativity fast, I came across this couple of scripture. And I say controversial because there are some that agree with what I'm about to say. There's some that half agree. There are some that say, no, that's not exactly it. But I'm not trying to say this is uh, heaven or hell issue. I just want you to really take a grip on and get a grip on something here with me. So everybody turn to the book of Job uh, chapter 1 real quick, please. As soon as you get there, let me hear you say it. Job was blameless in God's sight in this. He sought the Lord, okay? He sought the Lord. In fact, he kept saying to him that he never, in, in all the suffering he went through, he never charged God with wrongdoing. He did a lot of questioning. But one thing we do see that just right off from the get-go that caused an issue with Job was this. Let's look at verse 4 of chapter 1. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them, what? Purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Folks, there was a problem with that. It's one thing to intercede on behalf of your children. But it's a whole other when you're trying to fix your children. 
Job was in deep fear. For who? For his children, his family. He was in deep fear for them, so much so that it became a regular custom of his to try to take care, make sure that they were covered. Now, honestly, scripturally, who should have been offering the sacrifices? His children. And I'm going to tell you what, Job was a smart guy. I think he knew that. But what was he trying to do? Get a what? Get a grip on it. Let me help this thing out a little bit. So what we see is Job is consumed with wanting his kids to not sin or be in sin. He was consuming that. And a lot of them say, well, that's not a bad thing. But hold up. My concern is with this situation is that Job wasn't, and this isn't me trying to say Job was sinning in himself, but Job was still in a way trying to operate out of his own self. Rather than saying, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm trusting you for that relationship. I'm trusting you, Lord. And what do we find out in Job 3.25 after everything's been taken away, everything's been destroyed? 3.25. What did Job say? What I, what? Feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Job was caught and the fear of what might happen. And, and understand, I'm not saying that because you fear it, it's going to happen to you. But I'm going to tell you what, that, that which we fear, one way or another, can easily destroy us. I'm going to go as far as to say this. You guys might look at me and that's okay, but I really, this, this struck me. In chapter 1, you remember when he said, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. Verse 12, What does the Lord say to Satan? The Lord said to Satan, Very well. Everything he has is what? In your hands. But on the man himself, don't lay a finger. I'm going to tell you what. If it were in any way possible to open yourself up to the enemy and already hand over some authority, the best way to do that is with fear. You start fearing stuff rather than walking in faith and hope. You're this close, you're already there knocking down the hedge and the, and the serpent, as Lamentation says, will bite you. You begin to fear and allow fear to consume because of the lies that you're believing. You allow fear to consume that situation. It will can be very easily become your downfall. And why is that? Because we ran to our backup God. Because when we fear, we don't run to God. When we fear, we run to everything else. When we're in faith, where do we run to? You see the difference? Now, I'm not saying you don't have concern, but then you need to grab hold of faith and run to Him. So where does all this start? In being able to begin discerning walking through these things. It starts with repentance. 
Lord, I ask you to forgive me. We're trying to take, get a hold on this thing. I ask you to forgive me for trying to get a hold on this thing. I can't get a hold on this thing, but I can get a hold of you. I can't fix this thing, but you are victorious. You've promised that. I can't change this thing, but I have life in you. Who's with me right now? I found this interesting too the other day when I read this. Does anybody know what repent kind of means? What's that? Change your mind. Well, I tell you what, let me give you the quick breakdown here too of the word itself. Re means again or anew. To do it again or do it anew. And that word pent has a similar meaning as uh, when you find it in the word penthouse. Where's the penthouse on a building? At the top. You know what repentance is? I'm done thinking in the basement. I'm done thinking on the second floor. I'm thinking like the penthouse. What does Philippians say? What does what does Paul say in the book of Philippians? And, and this is when I need my wife because she knows things verbatim, but I know where to find them, so I found it. Four eight. Let me read this to you. You want to hear? You want to hear repentance? You want to hear it? Lord, forgive me for basement thinking, which has created fear and unbelief, which has destroyed my life, which has caused me to stay in a pit which has caused me to feel hopeless, which has caused me to not find a way out. Because what I want to do now, Lord, what I want to do now is think about whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, I want to think about those things. Because with my mind set upon those things, which are godly things, which are heavenly things, I am being directed in a different direction than I was going. Who picks that up? Who just heard that? I don't want to be in the pit anymore. I don't want to be in the hopelessness anymore. I don't want to. But you know what? I don't care how deep the pit is. Hopelessness does not exist in your vocabulary if you know who it is that is deeper still. Satan has bound us and deceived in this way. Aaron, if I said, I want you to walk up here right now and I'm going to take my fist and punch you in the face, would you walk up here? Oh, I want to hear this answer. Yeah, no, not if you go punch me in the face. Absolutely. So if Satan was so clear about his lies, we none of us would fall for them. We'd go the other direction. But if I said, "Hey, Aaron, I got a hundred bucks right here for you," he comes up. He comes up. I hand it to him. He takes it free and clear. But it's when he turns back around that I take my fist and pop him in the back of the head. That's how Satan works. You follow me? He's got you there, then he nails you. Then you wonder how you got there face down on the ground. What happened? 
Last thing I remember was this. I had $100 in my hand. See, the enemy pulls us in that direction. And so that's why it's so hard to get disconnected. But I'm going to add one more thing. There are spirits that attach themselves to us when we allow uh, fear to run rampant in our lives. There are spirits of fear. There are spirits of depression. There are spirits of immorality. There are spirits of anger. There are spirits of bitterness. There are spirits of unforgiveness. There are spirits that create mental illness. There are spirits that, that, that trigger things within us that we ourselves could never imagine doing. Understand, this isn't just to say, oh, you mean so it's not really my fault. Mm-hmm. I didn't go there. But what I am saying is this, you've already been told that you have authority against such things. So if you choose to walk under that spirit... That's your choice. Now, see, the Lord has to bring these things to light at times. But I really believe here today, I told you this is option B of choose your own adventure. I really believe here today, there's some sitting here today that say, I know that there's something that's got its claw in me. And it keeps driving me in the wrong direction. As soon as I say that, some of you are like, ooh. Number one, I'm not talking about doing an exorcism. Though maybe there's someone next to you that needs it. But I'm going to tell you right now, he came to set the captives free. And he's got the ability, he's got the authority, he's got the strength, he's got the power to break those things from over you. That which has bound you. The spirits of failure, the spirits of rejection. The spirits of death. I'm going to just share one quick testimony with you of a brother. And then we're going to move to the conclusion of what we're going to do here. Is everybody cool with me right now? I, I shouldn't say that. You understand. Lord, say, did you hear that? Is everybody okay? People don't get all upset now because I might get you out a little. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, we're going to just, we're just going to do whatever. My brother Doug Phillips, director of Brother Woods. He's a dear man of God. I really love Doug. Doug doesn't even go to a church of the brethren. He goes to a non-denominational gathering. Doug had always battled with depression and also a real um, a real control and fear issue sometimes caused him to respond to people very abrasive. Any, ever met anybody like that? He went to a, a particular meeting, and, and, and the speaker was, uh, this was a decade ago, the speaker just began to allow the Lord to minister to him. And the speaker rose up and said, okay, I'm going to begin calling a few things out that the Lord wants to minister to here. Remember, Doug was a brethren. I don't see this kind of thing happening much in the conference. Doug was about two-thirds of the way back in the room. And the speaker says, I speak now and bind in the name of Jesus. Spirits of death and suicide in this building. I want you to hear me real quick, immediately. 
the Lord brought to Doug's mind immediately. The moment two decades prior to that when his oldest sister took her own life and how much it crushed him. The problem is he did not realize that because of uh, the, the, the closeness, the family, and the, allow, the, the allowance of that dis- destructive, what happened there, to destroy him, something got a hold of him. The same spirit of death that got a hold of his sister, and ultimately she believed the lie and took her own life, had gotten a hold of him. And when this minister said, in the name of Jesus, I come against every spirit of death and suicide, Doug said, I felt something hit me. And he said, the doors behind me swung like in Wild West movies. He said, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. And I thought, well, good old traditional brethren churches don't really have that going on. Much less other churches. To see, at that point, that, 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 that kind of stuff should be saved for prayer meeting when there's only three people here, you know what I mean? You know, sometimes we use those verses about God is not a God of confusion. We have used those very verses to keep that kind of stuff from happening in our midst. Because remember, God's move is messy. But it's a controlled messy. Because He's in control. Because He knows each of you individually. He loves each of you. He loves me. He knows what I need. Do you know that? He knows your heart more than you know your heart. He's trying to bring to the surface what needs to be dealt with. So I'm going to just speak this real quick. There are those of us sitting here today that know that there's something that has had you in its grip. You just know. Sometimes it can show up it can show up even as you, you, there's something tangible. I've heard some say at night they just see things and whatnot, but you know something got you. Just got you clean. I'm not talking possession, folks, okay? I'm about the oppression of getting into your flesh. But you know that there's something that's gotten you, and you want to be free. Who here likes freedom? What I'm going to challenge you right now is this. I'm just going to take just a couple seconds. And I'm just going to, we're going to pray together, not just me, please, together. We're going to thank the Lord for beginning to reveal. Now, we're just going to speak to these bondages over people here today, these spiritual bondages. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite some of you up front here, whoever. Let's go into deeper prayer. That we see these things released off of you. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you what. You can sit in the counselor's chair for the rest of your life and be as much in bondage as you were when you first got there. You can, t- And I'm not even saying the counselor's chair is wrong. But I'm saying medication. I'm not even ditch, dissing medicine. But we can take medicine our whole lives and never deal with the issue. You hear that? Have I sufficiently made anybody uncomfortable yet? Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you love us. You call us your own. And yet there are those that are here today, including myself, that have experienced spiritual um, uh, oppression over us. 
It's gotten hold of our flesh. Spirits of fear, spirits of unforgiveness, spirits of bitterness. And no matter how hard you try, and we try to shake loose from them, it seems like it's just, it always kind of just is pushing us like this hand on our back. But I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name that greater are you that is in me than he that is in the world. For if you are for us, who can be against us? I'm just a man standing here, God, that needs you more than these people. And I know everybody else says it too, not themselves. But we need you more. So I just ask you now, Lord, where everyone is, right in this building, to begin raising up, making clear that which is gripped, that which has held in bondage, the brokenness, the words that were spoken over you years ago that you still believe that were lies, you got a grip on you. Along, along with those, as you believe those words, came a spirit that clinched you. There's spirits of failure, spirits of fear. I know that there are spirits of death and suicide in this place. There's spirits of unforgiveness and spirits of bitterness and anger. There are spirits, Lord, of depression that run deep. There are spirits of murder in this house today. There are spirits that uh, of destruction and violence. There are those things today that you came to earth that we may be set free of these things. Church, do you believe that today? So Lord, just bring these things to the surface. Right away, I do know there was about four or five people in here when I was talking about feeling like something's got a grip on you. You knew exactly that I was talking to you. You didn't even need the Lord to bring it to the surface. You knew it. Because it constantly keeps you in a hole. You know what I'm talking about? Unless you try to climb out on your own, you just feel like you're constantly in that hole. But for others here, Lord, just keep raising it up in Jesus' name. You know, we've preached all month on no more lies, and I'm so tired of them. I'm tired of being ruled by them and run by them. We're going to thank you, Father, that you, you, God, are turning a corner in our lives. I'm going to ask you right now, dude. Possibly one of the most challenging things that maybe you've ever felt like you needed to do because we get pride in our minds. We can't imagine somebody would know something about us or that we struggle. But may I say, as soon as I call you up, I'm putting the mic down and I'm turning around and getting on my knees too. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jim to probably at that point take over. I may assist him, I don't know. But I'm just asking right now if there be anyone here today and says, I'm done being oppressed. I am done being held in bondage. I am done being held by anything that is not my Father. And I thank you that you are setting me free in the name of Jesus. I repent of any area where I allowed the door to be wide open, and I fixed my mind on that which is true pure, admirable, holy, righteous, excellent, that I may be set free, and as 
Galatians, it says, I, He set you free for freedom's sake. As a declaration of what He came to do. So today, anybody here just want to stand up and come up to the front here? We've got more room. I just want you to come on up front here. Whoever. Whoever. Don't allow, don't allow, um, if you're able to get on your knees, you can use the altar here. Uh, don't allow anything to stand in the way on this, okay? Just come on down. Come on down. Thank you, church. Thank you for freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Just come on. Come on. Come on. Don't be stopped. Don't be stopped. Don't let the enemy say, oh, there's nothing wrong. That's fine. It's great. Just make sure it's not the enemy telling you that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. 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 Praise Anybody else? Let's just take this time. I told you, choose your own adventure. Option B, that's what we're doing today. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. We've got plenty of room up here. Pastor Jim, just go ahead and begin moving as the Lord leads you. If someone wants to join Pastor Jim or a couple elders or anybody just want to grab, give Pastor Jim, go ahead. Anybody else? Be set free. Be set free. Be set free. Lord, you do tell us it's the truth that sets us free. So I'm asking right now for everyone that's here around this altar that you, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the truth of what the issue is. So once we see it, we can repent of it, and Satan can't lie behind it anymore. And once we see it and let it go, Jesus, you remind me that when you said it was finished at Calvary, Lord, all of these things we're talking about here today are already finished. What we are now experiencing is how finished it is. (laughs) Hallelujah. For we are free as far as you're concerned. But Lord, through truth right now, we are learning how free we really are. I want to thank you for it. I loose your Holy Spirit. I loose revelation knowledge for every one of us that are bowing at your feet right now. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Anything that we need to see, anything that we need to see that, that the enemy has used in our past or whatever, just open our eyes, Holy Spirit. You're able to do that. Just do it. Open our eyes. What is the basis of our fear? What are the words, Lord, that have been spoken over us that we believe in your name? I lose your presence. I lose your Holy Spirit. On this right now. I lose you. Thank you. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're actively involved in what's going on in each one of us right now. Hallelujah. You've been there all the time. That's just what you're doing today. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Search our hearts. Search our hearts right now in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, just move on us. Just move on us right now. Father, we repent of fear. 
we kind of doubt, we repent of fear and doubt in Jesus' name. We repent of unbelief. We repent of control. Father, we repent of depending on ourselves. We repent of self-reliance. And Lord, especially right now, we repent of running from our fears. Help us just to turn around and look at them right now. Lord, help us to... Thank you. Thank you. I thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. I'm just declaring with my mouth. Out of those fears I'm looking at right now, I'm beginning to break them with the words of my mouth in Jesus' name. I believe that you're breaking spirit of fear in us right now, fear of people. Some of us are just plain fear of living. Lord, fear of big Lord. Fear of people. Father, in Jesus' name, break that right now in Jesus' name. Break the spirit of fear of people, that we are fearful of each other, fearful of opening doors. Father, I break the spirit of fear of people in Jesus' name. I break it, and you're breaking it in Jesus' name. But you said what I break, you would break in Jesus' name. And we're just letting that go right now. Our fear of people, whatever the basis of it is, Lord, we're just letting it go in Jesus' Ooh, thank you. You just let it go in the name. <laughs> Ooh, right now, Lord, right now, when I just left, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to fill that area with your peace and your joy and your love. Just fill it. With, Lord, what the fear of people has been, Lord, fill it now with the, the love for people. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we receive it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, I thank you and praise you that a spirit of fear and worry, Lord, is being broken over us right now in Jesus' name. Sometimes we spiritualize worry and think that that's love. Father, I'm here to declare that worry is sin and worry is not love, but worry is a tool of the enemy to keep us bound in Jesus' name. I repent, and we repent of worry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I break that spirit of worry from our souls, and we're going to let it go in the name of Jesus. We're going to let it go. Thank you, thank you. Father, unforgiveness right now in Jesus' name, whatever form it has taken, whether we have shut down on people, whatever it is, unforgiveness, Lord, we have chosen to confess it before you and then we're going to let it go. We repent of unforgiveness in our hearts right now in Jesus' name. I thank you and praise you. And I thank you for letting it go. I break it in Jesus' name. I break it by the power of Jesus' name. I break it and it's, we let it go. We choose to forgive. Father, in Jesus' name, any generational curse right now has been passed down to us by our parents, through our parents, Lord, of unconfessed sins in their lives and the words they put into our... Lord, there's people here sitting. We still live under the words of unwise words, even of our parents in the past, of people. Lord, we've embraced them, and I, I'm just... Anything that's been handed down to us, I'm breaking that in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm commanding that it has to let loose, it has to go. And in the name of Jesus, I break it. In the name of Jesus, I break the generational curse from over us right now in Jesus' name. As the Calvary has dealt with the, the, the curse of the original flesh and sin, but we break any spiritual bondage that passed to us. I break it in Jesus' name. We break the, every generational curse. Lord, I break the spirit of incest in this place right now in Jesus' name. I break it, Lord. That person that I were talking about, didn't think anybody else knew that. But it's been hot. I break it. 
I break it in Jesus. We let it go in the name of Jesus. We let it go in Don't let her eat with your peace, Lord. Don't let her eat with your peace. In the name. Oh, Father, the, lie, the lies. Right now we break that spirit of lie that we're worthless. And that nobody really ever wanted us. And even we've had words penetrated in our mind as kids that were really not worth much. And, and even had parents say, well, you're never going to amount to much. And, Lord, they are lies that have stuck with us. And we repent of even embracing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I break the spirit of that in everyone here sitting in bed. We break those lies. We are worth what you say we are worth. We choose to believe the truth. We choose to believe the truth. I break the spirit of lies and worthlessness. I'm going to say that again. Lord. We're going to release that. We break the lies of worthlessness. Hallelujah. We repent of trying to prove ourselves. Father, we have here today, we spend time trying to prove ourselves always that we're not worthless. By all that we do, we repent of all that. I break that spirit of worship. It is a lie, and we put it under the blood of Jesus. It is a lie. We break it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I break it in, I said, thank you. There it goes. Now, fill us with your confidence of whose we are and who we are. Holy Spirit, come on in right now in Jesus' name. I break the spirit of death that has, in various forms, has taken a hold. And taking root, Lord, and that, that we many times in running away, we, we just wish death on us. Father, we repent of even speaking those words in Jesus' name. Right now, we declare, everyone around us all, we declare that we are filled with life. And we choose to declare life. And that we have a future. Hallelujah. And our future is in you. And every one of us here today have a purpose that is designed by you and designated by you. To be, Lord, you called us for a purpose. And Lord, every one of us sitting here, we have purpose. So therefore, the lie of worthlessness and the lie of, so what's the use? Help us. I'm asking right now, and everyone sitting in this building, that you get it deep within us. That the reason we're saved is not first to escape hell. The first reason that we're saved is that you have a plan for us that you have a plan for us. And we receive that right now. Lord, it is not first to keep us out of hell. It's first to restore us to the fullness of your plan that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And we receive that right now in Jesus' name. We receive the evil plan for everyone, a purpose and a plan. And Lord, I declare there's no trash here. You would not die for trash. I want to glorify you. I want to honor you. And I want to praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we repent of being moved by what we see and by what we hear. Now we choose to be moved by what we know. We choose to be moved by what we know. Hallelujah. Just pour your peace on us right now. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Lord, you are here to finish what you have started. I'm going to declare this right now over the where you are here to finish. I'm going to come against our hopefulness. You are here right now to finish what you have started in us and through us. I ask, oh God, that you even begin to give us a glimpse. We pull down those dark blinds that have been in front of our eyes of darkness around us and darkness for purpose. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to lift our sights. Let us begin to see the prospects of what you have in store for everyone. Everyone sitting in this building, you have plans for. Lord, lift our eyes that we might see the fulfillment of your purpose for our living, for our breathing. Father, you're here to finish it. Through God be the Lord. Holy Spirit, in closing here, I'm just this to you and every life here right now. Anything that has not been spoken, bring it to the surface. It needs to be repented. We repent of it. We repent of it in Jesus and bring it to the surface, Lord. You deal with us, each one of us, individually. For whom the Son sets free is free and deep. Bring it to the surface through the power of Jesus, and through the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you that victory is ours. I want to thank you, Lord, that we are on the potter's wheel. You're in the potter. And we are on the wheel, and thank you, Lord, that right now you are at work in us, whom the sun sets free, is free in the We worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We magnify you. 
We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. We worship you in spirit and in truth in Jesus' name. I give you praise. Holy Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, my brother, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are working right now. I thank you that you are working right now. Thank you. In Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. How many sense the Spirit of God working in you?